Um, you know, I'm an All-American national champion in track. I'm not too shabby. I was having a boy and everybody was getting all-star like daddy. I'm like, magic marker, cross that out because... Technically speaking, I'm the only one in the house with a national championship. Facts. Facts. We don't want what Julie did to turn this into a freak show. Freak show. Freak show. Some people, I'm sure, had funny feelings about it. I know the men did. I didn't really care. It's not, you know, about skin color and, you know, all these other socioeconomic differences. You want your team to win. I'm Celine Yeager. I'm Sarah Gross. This is Nine Voices for Title IX, powered by Inside Tracker, a podcast that tells the stories behind the law that changed everything. This is Nine. 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 Hey, Celine. Hey, Sarah. I'm so stoked. We're on episode three, and we have another incredible interview coming up for our series of Nine Voices for Title IX. This one, I love that this one follows the past two that we've done because this this one dives boots on the ground into like Title IX and athletics on the high school and especially the collegiate level, right? Like it's very, goes right into what this legislation did and, and a lot of its purpose. Yeah, totally. I think, you know, the, from the first episode from Wendy describing her mom's journey and, and seeing the need for the law you know, and that context to like Bobby Gibb kind of um, having these, you know, realizations about the cultural realities for women and understanding herself as part of a process of change. You know, I think she really set the stage for the overall environment, you know, and now this one, like you say, is just like right in the heart of like an athletic director, boots on the ground, I'm repeating your phrase, you know, doing the work. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 Dr. Markeisha Henderson, and she is the director of athletics at Agnes Scott College. And, you know, she was a former Division One All-American track and field athlete and national champion herself. And I love that she's so richly multifaceted that she has like a bachelor's in journalism and communications and a master's in sports administration and a doctorate in higher education administration. So she can see all of this through this prism, you know, of all the experiences. And I'll let you talk about uh, Shauna, but like the inter- her interviewee from our team was amazing too. And it's such a great conversation between these two women. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Shauna, who's the host of our unfazed podcast at Feisty Media is also an academic, you know, so you can hear that through the interview. They both clearly know what they're talking about, about about higher education and that context as well. Um, She is, her doctorate is in higher education. She's an entrepreneur and the founder of Gold Enterprise. And she's also, Shauna is also an athlete herself, a marathoner, a triathlete and a coach. So she has that real life sports experience and the way that change can be made through sport too. She knows firsthand. So it was wonderful to have Shauna talk to Markeisha. Yeah, and, and and I think the real, the real gold, not, no pun intended for Dr. <laughs> Shauna Gold, but I think the real gold happens is that we do have two Black women with such similar passions and histories talking about, you know, the intersection of civil rights and women's rights and how they flow through this lens of Title IX. And it's, it's such a special conversation. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of my main takeaways from the series so far is that there was this, you know, there seems to be a broader context to when Title IX was passed around civil rights and women's rights. And there's lots of things happening around, you know, I guess society kind of waking up and saying everyone deserves to have equal opportunities and people stepping up and saying, okay, we need to actually change some laws to make, to make, I want to say to make shit happen, but to make stuff happen. Um, and yeah, again, it's like that intersection between the civil rights movement and Title IX. So interesting in this um, conversation. Yeah. And you get to hear very, very clearly, you know, where it worked and where it didn't work and where there's work yet to be done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. So let's get on with the interview. But first, a word from our sponsors. Female hair loss is a topic few of us want to talk about, but it impacts nearly 30 million women, so we should. And that's why we appreciate that Bonafide's healthy hair and scalp product, Sylvessa, is one of our show partners. With Sylvessa, Bonafide designed the first comprehensive system designed to restore and protect hair and skin affected by estrogen decline from the inside and out. It consists of a three-part system containing a daily capsule, hair serum, and skin serum to be combined for healthier looking skin and hair. During a 12-week clinical study, Bonafide found that 92% of women saw improvement in hair volume, 82% saw improvement in hair thickness, and 67% saw improvement in scalp coverage. Over 8,300 uncompensated doctors in the U.S. recommend Bonafide's products. All of their products are prescription and hormone-free. And for listeners today, we want to give you 20% off your first purchase of Sylvessa and or any of Bonafide's products when you subscribe to any product. Just go to hellobonafide.com slash title nine and use the promo code title nine. That's hellobonafide, B-O-N-A-F-I-D-E dot com slash title nine and the code title nine, all caps, T-I-T-L-E and the number nine for 20% off at checkout. For the best prices and free shipping, go directly to the hellobonafide.com slash Title IX website. That is their best offer anywhere. So check it out and use the promo code Title IX today. Icedy Media's Title IX series is proudly partnered with Velo Rosa. Bella Rosa is a women-owned and operated cycling apparel company that creates mix and match cycling wear to make women feel comfortable, confident, and beautiful. Created by two avid women cyclists, they know the importance of high-performance biking shorts and jerseys that fit a woman's body. It doesn't work to shrink and pink men's gear and expect it to work for women. Bella Rosa believes cycling wear should be fun, comfortable, and visible. You want to be bright and to be bold and be seen. Vela Rosa's collections are designed to mix and match with coordinating kit pieces that allow women to get more mileage out of their cycling wardrobes. New for 2022, a completely redesigned cycling tank, reflective safety tabs on all of their tops, and more long sleeve options for those chilly morning rides. You'll find tons of great reviews on their site from women who love Vela Rosa gear. Their five-star rated shorts prove that when women try them, they love the fit particularly the yoga waistband, power leg bands, and the super soft, all black, what stains, chamois. Whether you like to ride pavement, gravel, dirt, or your local trail system, cycling is about the community. Join the sisterhood of cyclists that is Velarosa today. Enter FEISTY15, that's all caps, F-E-I-S-T-Y, number 15, at checkout, and receive 15% off of order of full-priced cycling wear at velarosacycling.com today.
All right, y'all. I have the pleasure of reconnecting with someone I consider a classmate, in fact, um, from the George Washington University. I'm so glad to reconnect with Dr. Markeisha Henderson. I'm so pleased to have you here with me. And I'm just glad that you were able to uh, accept our invitation because you're a busy person. Um, Director of Athletics at Agnes Scott College. I mean, you started in January 2020, right? In in the pandemic. pandemic. Oh, my goodness. Well, look, let me just tell the listeners that, you know, you really hit the ground running in your first year. I cannot believe any of us were making moves during 2020 because it got really interesting for all of us. Um, But I'm really pleased that we get to connect because I want to hear more about where you've gone in your career, your thoughts about Title IX and and all of these really good things that we wanted to lift up in this series, because this is a really important year for women in sport. And so we don't want to forget where we've come from. We definitely don't want to take for granted where we're going um, when it comes to Title IX and such issues, especially uh, across our athletes, as well as those that support athletes, our coaches, coaching staff, athletic staff, athletic trainers. We we got a lot of different things to really even think about when it comes to this work. Um, But why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners and just tell us a little bit about uh, what's been a a big deal for you as athletic director most recently, especially in the pandemic? Yeah, well, first of all, I want to say, Dr. Gold, If you recall, you were my template on how to knock out that doctorate, because when I got to uh, GW, you had a plan, you you worked your plan, you was out of there. And I was like, in and out. I, I be lying to you. How did you do it? Tell me what to do so I can get. I remember that conversation. I remember that. Listen, we got to move on because for me, um, you know, becoming an athletic director was actually not on my radar because. I returned to the academy or or I started my journey in the academy because I had gotten burned out from athletics. Um, You know, um, in the, I think 99, 2000 is when, you know, I was really grinding. I started out in broadcasting, had made the transition to intercollegiate athletics. And at that time, there weren't a lot of women in leadership positions to kind of pull up and mentor. And so, you know, I was a one person shop trying to navigate this career, making a lot of mistakes, leaning on the mentorship of men to, you know, uh, lift me up and to help. Mm -hmm. And that turned into 60, 70 hour work days trying to, you know, prove your worth. And sis was tired. Right. (laughs) Right. The decision to actually come to GW and get the doctorate was, you know, I've done this for a number of years. I'm tired, but I think I can help other women and other young people who want to get into the grind of athletics. So I thought maybe if I become a sport management professor, I don't, mm-hmm. I can see that toe in athletics because I, you know, that's my heart. I don't know anything else. I've never had a job that didn't have anything to do with sports ever. Mm-hmm. So um, I had to find a better way to keep that toe in the sports, but at the same time, you know, um, preserve myself. You know, I had reached my thirties. I had no boyfriend, no kids, you know? And I was like, this, this is not sustainable. I have to find a right. And so the intention right. was Dr. Gold for me to retire as faculty and to just build this tree and this pipeline of people who will be a lot more ready than I was to nah. enter the profession and to understand, you know, your role in the profession. I dove all into my scholarship 
I um, mm-hmm. was on a faculty appointment and leading, um, you know, some um, faculty development initiatives at Clark Atlanta University and mm-hmm. got the tap on the shoulder from a recruiter yes. to come back in, you know, and um, I thought about it. I was like, well, you know, I'm at a different phase of my life now. My children are school age. I think I can handle it. And mm-hmm. on top of that, I'm at Agnes Scott College, which is a women's college. And it was something just really exciting about mm-hmm. um, being able yes. to come back, but come back strictly with the uh, purpose of elevating women in sports. So, mm-hmm. um, so mm-hmm. I don't think I would have done it ordinarily, like just went to, you know, any other school and done it um, because yeah. I was really enjoying faculty life and, and the work that I was doing there. But it was mm-hmm. that, um, you know, it never left me, you know, the desire never yes. left, but it right. was that school to come back in a different way, a lot wiser, a lot smarter, with a lot more resources to really make it happen for women's sports in a way. Yes. Let me just go ahead and say, football Mm -hmm. is my favorite sport. Like I, you know, have always been, you know, um, you know, a big football fan and working Mm -hmm. in football. So I, I had to preface that to say, it was great to come to a college where I didn't have to worry about football because football is all the attention and all the resources. I get to focus strictly on these Olympic sports for women Mm -hmm. and without the cacophony of, you know, Mm -hmm. the football monster. And um, Mm -hmm. say that, you know, I wouldn't go back to that because I really enjoyed that environment, but it was just really, really alluring to be able to do something for women. So that's how I ended up back in the business. And I am going back to faculty, by the way. (laughs) Like, I'm not doing this through retirement, but those things you just, you know, you know what you're supposed to be doing. And that just seemed like where I needed to be in that moment. Yeah, well, and I mean, look at how that, uh, transition for you, or even that road less taken, uh, ends up adding to your scholarship when you go back. You know, Absolutely. you can say, I've been there, done that, I sat in that seat, I had to make those decisions in a pandemic, by the way, okay. and this is how I did it, right? And so mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Now, let me ask you something that's a little bit off script because you brought it up around football. I listened to uh, a few commentators on the radio just this morning talking about what Deion Sanders has done for HBCU recruits. How do you feel about that more broadly before we circle back to Title IX stuff? What do you think about that? So that's pretty close to my heart because when I was in athletic administration before the academy, I worked for two HBCU athletic conferences, the SIAC, which is Division II, and the SWAC. Mm -hmm. Um, Jackson State is in. And so here's one yes. thing that, that people don't understand is that, you know, the SWAC and the MEAC, um, those Division One HBCU programs have always been king. They've just been mm-hmm. on their own island, you know, and what Dion mm-hmm. did was really show and demonstrate with his platform that HBCU sports are legit, you know, mm-hmm. um, prior to, you know, back when I was working and still today, the HBCU um, attendance records for football are the highest among non-BCS schools mm-hmm. because of those classics, you know. That's right. Um, that's right. That's system that's been in place since the 80s. Like this is yes. nothing new for HBCU. Like we yes. have a very rabid fan base that will travel, mm-hmm. that will pack out these stadiums. And um, what Dion yes. did was let put other folks on notice. We've been new. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and you know, and I, I appreciate how you put that because, you know, I'm thinking, um, hello, this is like the worst kept secret ever because 
<laughs> Black folks have already known this, but I think that that shifting of the uh, the light, you know, when it comes to no, we're we're not going to give the spotlight just to Big Ten. We're not just no, we're going to move the spotlight around so people can really see what's going on. Because you're right, it has always been there. You know, I. I was educated at all predominantly white institutions. And so when people are talking about, I'm going to this, I'm going to that, I'm like, hold up, wait a minute, let me tag along. Uh, because I wanted to be part of that culture to really understand that. And so we we knew the worst kept secret. It's just uh, interesting how um, Dion kind of reminded people, hey, we've been over here, you're welcome to come on over, but we're doing our thing and we've been doing our thing at a high level for Decades now, decades. Prior to, prior to integration, you know, all of the yes. you know, NFL players that made it, you know, came from HBCU. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't mm-hmm. until, you know, big state U's got integrated. And there's a man that we don't like to talk about much these days, but it was that OJ Simpson. Uh-huh. And yes. You yes, look, yes, we, think yes. about, we think about University of Alabama. And mm-hmm. you know, the decision right. to in- integrate that team was when um, OJ Simpson was out there knocking heads off. And right. uh, you know, right. a lot of these programs then started saying, hey, we need some brothers on this roster. So, right. Um, right. so let's just be clear that, you know, when Big State U came about, um, when um, civil rights movement, Title IX, and, you know, folks started getting rights. Yeah, Um, that changes the landscape of sport. And these things play out oftentimes in sport before they play out in the rest of society. Because Mm -hmm. sport is one of those things that can unite people with differences. You know, at the end of the day, it's not, you know, about skin color and, you know, all these other socioeconomic differences. You Mm -hmm. want your team to win. That's right. Helmets on, you have, you don't know who's who. Exactly. Until I see a brown elbow turn around, I don't know what's going on, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So now look, we've talked about football because I'm, I'm big on that as well, but you know, as an athletic director, which sports do you feel flourished under title nine? We've talked about football and I hear that, but you know, there's some sports that seem to always make it and other sports that don't, um, especially when it comes to women's involvement. And so I'm interested to hear which ones really always seem to flourish, like almost untouchable. Um, and then other sports is like, we, you know, you're the first one to shut down. You're the first one. Look, look, diving. I'm sorry, boo, but I'm sorry. Right. And it just always seems to be kind of a all or nothing type thing with certain sports. And so I'm just wondering, which ones do you feel flourish the most and, and the least under Title IX specifically? So I think it's first important to understand, you know, and we know this, that Title IX is really just is is that equity piece that if you provide opportunities here, you have to provide opportunities there. And I think obviously the ones that uh, flourish are the ones that, you know, have a male counterpart. So you're you're not Mm going to ever see a women's basketball program just get cut out the blue if you have men's basketball. It's just not going to happen, you know. Um, but we saw, you know, last year with the NCAA, you know, there's still lots of disparity on how yes. Yes. basketball is treated and funded in other ways that, yes. oh, yes, we are still, you know, making sure we have opportunity. That's the big word in, in Title IX, opportunity mm-hmm. are still there. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, the emphasis is still there because mm-hmm. that's the 
you know, so, right. you know, when, as an athletic director, when you sit down and you do the budget, you got to look and see, you know, what we need to do here, what we need to do there. What I feel that in terms of what makes women's sports vulnerable is when the motive to, you know, accelerate mm. and elevate women's sports aren't there. When you're just playing the numbers game to be in compliance. Mm. So you have to keep in mind football again, we got, can't talk about time, don't talk about football. You know, when you got right. you know, one has 85, you know, scholarships that they're giving out, mm-hmm. you, know, you got to find another 85. So what tends to flourish in women's sports, not necessarily because you want these sports to be successful, but you need numbers. So your big roster sports tend to do well because that balances yes. out for the number of scholarships you're giving mm-hmm. out on the men's side. So that's right. why track and field, you know, does pretty well because those rosters are huge. You know, you can get a yes. lot of women to come play you know, um, mm-hmm. track and field. Um, and again, yeah. those sports with the male counterparts, softball will do well if baseball is doing well, but you have some baseball collegiate programs because, you know, the MLB doesn't necessarily have to do the college route, you know, right. so um, they, you know, can or cannot, you know, make that decision to invest in baseball, but it's hard to have a successful baseball program without having softball as well. So Mm -hmm. for me, it's, it's more, you know, it's always a numbers game. And what I don't like is when, um, it, it really comes down to put pitting sports against each other, you Mm. know, you have Mm -hmm. to cut like wrestling or something along those lines, um, for, for equity, then it becomes more of an attack on, we are cutting wrestling because we have volleyball. Or you know what I mean, and that's not the case. It's not sport against sport. It's it's yeah. a sport thing, and to me, it's about the motivation in which you are adding and nurturing and supporting these sports, and which is why I said I love Agnes Scott. Number one, I'm D three, ain't no scholarships yes. in place. Okay, right, right, right. Take that pressure off, you know. Right, um, and you know I don't have to worry about that numbers game, and I can always do the right thing as it pertains to resources. Mm. But again, mm-hmm. you know, Division Three women's sports in Atlanta, where I got the mm-hmm. SEC, the ACC, I got all these other D1, D2 schools. I'm still yes. fighting for relevance. I'm still fighting just yes. to make sure that um, these programs get what they need and get the respect that they deserve because the student athletes at D3 don't practice any less, you know, right. than athletes at D1. They put the same amount of time in. They exactly. you know, work just as hard. And, you know, for majority, 98% of them, they'll never see, you know, competitive play at that level again. Mm. After graduate. And so it's mm-hmm. important to me to make sure that these are good experiences um, because yeah. of their memories. And this That's is what right. they're going to tell their grandkids later. That's right. That's right. Well, and, you know, I, I keep looking around because, of course, you know, we are here on this podcast because we want to be advocates and strong allies for women in sport. And and equity in sport and equal access to sport and so forth. And I'm, I'm thinking about my God brother. He's on um, the McDonald's coaching team and he's he's been very heavy in women's basketball, for example. And of course, you know, with the untimely passing of, you know, Kobe Bryant and Gigi and so forth and, and Mamba and Mambasita sports and so forth. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to hear about 
some of the allies, right? Some of the men that speak up to say, yeah, we, we've got a slamming men's team in XYZ, but we still feel very strongly about these women having the very same opportunities. How can we be supportive, be vocal um, in certain ways um, so that we aren't the ones that are always shouting into the rain, you know, all the time, right? And so I'm interested to hear from you, you know, have you encountered some of those male allies that are like, no, that's not right. <laughs> and I'm, I'm here to support you and what you're doing, um, especially when it comes to some of those sports where, you know, women just want a chance. They're not saying they want to go to the WNBA. They're not saying they want to go to the Olympics. They want an equitable college experience. And therefore, because, you know, as my children, for example, they've been in sports since they were three, right? And they have continued on and want to continue on. Um, And so I'm just thinking about who has been a true ally to those women that want that access. Just give me a chance. That's why I feel like women are saying all the time, look, you just give me a chance and I'm out there, right? Um, Who have you seen that's really been supportive of the work when it comes to Title IX? Well, so here's the thing, you know, um, we have no other choice as women in this profession to lean on our male um, allies because we have, Mm. you know, Mm. there's so many more of them than us. They have to take the chances on us. Um, Mm. I am fortunate to be um, one of the people that was in the first female class of the NCAA um, um, leadership development. It was the Leadership Institute. Yes, and, yes. Um, you know, that was only in 2005, you know, I was going to say that was kind of recent because 2005, I was in the first female class. Okay. You know? Okay. So, mm-hmm. um, prior mm-hmm. to that two or three male classes for ethnic minority males to, you know, try to um, create a pipeline. So being mm-hmm. in that first class, you know, um, and I will say, you know, the NCAA leadership development, um, department has really kept this on their radar, you know, for the Mm -hmm. past 20 years to how do we get more um, ethnic minority male and female in this pipeline? And they've invested a lot of resources and support in these various programs and institutes to, you know, like I said, give us a chance to get at the table. And one of the things that really happens that I appreciate, because I still go back, you know, right. Um, years later, I'm still showing up, you know, in the right. because one, um, I recognize that there are now more women in positions to help pull up, but we mm-hmm. always have to advocate for, you know, the guys, Hey, this is, these are the concerns. When you get that big chair, don't forget about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, keeping those networks strong, we understanding I am one of only 35 Black female athletic directors in the NCAA. Oh my gosh. That's all we working with, you know? And and I just had a conversation the other day, like when you look at job descriptions, sometimes in the job description, they'll say, you know, um, uh, division one, division two, division three, athletic director experience preferred. And I said, that's problematic because (sighs) when you say that you prefer that someone have athletic director experience is not from lack of qualifications and the ability to do that's that. right that's but right if, you, if we're really counting that means you excluding a majority of women who are qualified for the position because there's only 35 of us sitting in the seat right now this is probably the most we've had you know in a long time i mean most of the I, and here's the thing i know all 30 34 of them i know them all we're all in the group chat and most of us have been in our seat you know 
There's mm-hmm. only a couple of OGs, you know, they've been around for a little right, while. You right, know, but right. most of us are five years less in this game. So when you when you put those sort of things, you know, in the job description, and that's educating, you know, folks that hey, you know, you got to give these deputy ads, these senior women administrators, Absolutely. those that may not have had the chance to get in the chair because we're we're not getting there. You mentioned Kobe Bryant, and you know, you're absolutely yeah. right. You know, I um, it was very his passing was sad altogether. But, you know, where I hurt the most is what I feel Kobe Bryant would have done for women's sports because he, as a father, as, you know, a girl dad, you know, Mm -hmm. make sure his daughters and, you know, all those, you know, know, I felt like that was going to be, you know, change. So, you know, for me, um, that's where our allies are for people who have the platform and the ability already, Mm -hmm. you know, continue to include um, the advancement of women in in their their goals. And for those that currently sit in the seat to, Mm -hmm. you know, make sure we're included in these searches and make sure that we, we get to the table um in in a mm-hmm. substantive way um because yeah. you know we're still emerging there's the title nine has been 50 years yeah that's right sitting here with 35 black women sitting in Mm-mm. Well, and you know, it, it reminds me of kind of what happens with college presidents, which you know quite clearly is that you end up recycling people. You know, okay, yeah, she's still AD, but where is she AD now? Well, mm-hmm. just move on. You know, it's like musical chairs, basically. It's like, wait a minute, um, how do we how do we uh, continue to help the pipeline rather than just recycling folks, especially folks, for example, like you who already have your sights on, I already know what I'm going to do next. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be playing musical chairs with y'all. So That's given right. that, you know, what am I going to do next and making sure that pipeline is wide open, which is yet again, another accessibility issue. Here we go. We sing in the same song in a different tune. No, no, it's the same song. Um, so I appreciate what you're bringing up. And so, you know, given that, because I was just, I mean, devastated for a number of different reasons about Kobe Bryant's passing in and his daughter and just the impact on on women's basketball in general. And also, you know, thinking about how other major celebrities, like, for example, when LeBron James was, you know, paying salaries of WNBA players, especially when they were um, participating in Get Out the Vote and so forth around the election. You know, I think it's just really important for us to not uh, create kind of a, a savior issue around them necessarily, but to make sure that we're kind of emulating what they were modeling for us. You know, how can we duplicate the Kobe's? We don't have to be Kobe on that large of a scale, but what's the Kobe on the smaller scale? You know, and what does that look like on a regular basis? So, you know, we, we do have some models out there that we can kind of um, cookie cutter in certain ways that can continue to lift up women in, in sport. So, you know- one second before we transition. Yeah, you know, go ahead. What, what brought to mind, um, mm-hmm. you know, going back to the intention. Um, so one of the things with Title IX, um, women did have, you know, um, leadership positions and were head coaches for women programs. When Title IX came about, um, it actually decreased a lot of leadership opportunities. Um, for women because the mm. men were gobbling up those jobs. I was just at a recruiting event, um, you know, um, one of the basketball events. And yeah, uh, yeah. My, my, my coach sent me because there was some parents that he wanted me to talk to and he couldn't make it. And I'm looking around and there's, you know, at least 30 different sports teams there playing on all these different courts. 
And I probably saw two out of the 30 that had uh, women head coaches. They were all men running these teams, girls basketball, you know. And if you can count, then it's not enough out there. How about that? Listen, when they walk by, I was like, hey, girl, hey, you know, keep up the good work. You know, just trying to be encouraging. Like, I see you. I see you, what you're doing in these spaces. And, and, you know, if you have a heart for it and, you know, I hire male coaches, uh, you know, um, if you have a heart for it and, and, and you have a passion for it, absolutely. You hire the best person. We're not asking, you know, to be hired on gender. However, what does irritate me is when men use women's sports to springboard their careers to go back to men's sports. Back to men's sports, yeah. You know, and I sniff that out, you know, with Mm -hmm. candidates in my pool. It's like, you know, if you've been coaching men's sports your whole career and now all of a sudden you're applying for my job, one of my first questions is, you know, you know, what's your, uh, what's your game plan here as far as women's yes. sports are concerned? So if you're using these opportunities to springboard yourself back into men's sports, you're also keeping women, uh, pe- women coaches who want to be in these positions on the side out of the pool. Yes. They're out of the pool, you know, yes. And so, yes. Um, you know, it's about intentionality. If you, the, the best way to be an ally is that if you're not checking for women's sports, leave us alone. Please, please. Look, this this reminds me of um, one of the episodes of Unfazed that uh, Dr. Lisa Ingerfield and I recorded was around taking men taking up too much space, man spreading and not just in a seat. You're taking up too much space. And it sounds like the same thing is happening in women's sport to a degree is that, look, you're taking up space in here um, with your privilege in ways that are not genuine. And so therefore your intentions are skewed. And, you know, what are, are you building your career on the back of athletes that you care nothing about? Okay. Interesting. Let's call that out. Let, let's right. call that out very clearly. That's incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Man spreading. We got man spreading going on everywhere, everywhere. Sitting in the pew with your legs out. <laughs> Scoot over. Hey, <laughs> move over. Exactly. So look, let me ask you this last question because, you know, we... I would not have called you if you weren't a powerful woman doing your thing. And, you know, when it comes to what we do, there's some days where it's like, look, all this power sitting up here and I still need something magical to happen because there are some major issues that are just like me beating my head up against a wall. Um, if there were some things that you could change with your, your powerful magic wand, what would it be in regards to uh, women? women of color specifically, even if you feel comfortable going into trans women in sport, what, what would you wave your, your magic wand around to make happen? Because you have a good swath of what's going on here. And, and I didn't go into all the details of Dr. Henderson's um, bio, but let's be clear. She's very aware when it comes to the national landscape of women in sport, very aware of what we need to know in regards to sport administration, but also journalism and communication around these particular issues. What should be high on our radar as far as um, your magic wand, things that we need to be aware of and need to change yesterday when it comes to this work? Like what needs to be changed? Pull out your magic wand from out from under your desk and and tell us what the agenda needs to be, ma'am. Tell us what it needs to be. 
Well, as as you mentioned um, at the beginning, I'm a pandemic AD. So I, I started yes. Um, yes. January 2020, like, okay, yeah, I'm going to put aside my faculty role for a minute. And I'm going to come back into the practice and I'm going to get mm. in the practice and do the work, not knowing mm-hmm. that uh, coronavirus was right around the corner. So was on the job maybe about uh, two months and they were like, uh, just kidding, go work on Zoom. You know, we'll get back. Yes. To- so having to do all that. The thing that I fear the most, and this is how I would use my magic wand if someone um, gave me some mm. real power, real black girl magic, you know. All uh, right, right, right. I we have to put the emphasis on youth sports because mm. about little girls at eight, yes. nine, ten years old, you know, I just came from my son's kindergarten field day and got all the stuff. Oh. I, I remember my grandma still got my kindergarten field day card. I want ribbons and everything. And the reason that she put me towards and, you know, because kindergarten field that, oh, yeah, she's fast. She can jump those long legs. She can do this and that. And that sparked my interest in sport. And because yes. I had that interest in sport as a little girl, I continued to play. And playing in high school, got this pale eligible first generation student into college. Right. A Division right. one college, you know, right. Um, right. University of Wisconsin. And because of that access that I had to higher education and with my team, I got to travel the world and I Mm -hmm. changed the whole trajectory of my family. Yes, 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 yes. And so what makes me nervous coming out of the pandemic, we lost two good years. Mm -hmm. Now they they had a plan for how to get football back. That plan, when they had to shut football down and all the tests and everything else, the whole plan was how do we get football back? You know, Mm -hmm. little boy, even if they didn't necessarily have their, um, you know, sports leagues and teams already together and all of that, and they had to like get their play interrupted as well. Yes, yes. Always get that encouragement. My, My son is seven years old. He's four feet six inches tall, 80 pounds solid, walk around yes. like his daddy. Yes. I can't go anywhere with him in the grocery store where someone says, hey, little fella, uh, you play football, you play basketball. He hears it every single day. Yes, yes. time with our little girls um, that, you know, may not have gotten that encouragement to play sports. And so um, mm-hmm. we have to focus on that, you know, and I think that, you know, now that, you know, outside open back up and we're going to start seeing things emerge, I'm really worried about those two years where we didn't plant that seed with little girls. I want to see a renewed interest and focus on Mm -hmm. specifically doing sports programming for girls to make up for that lost time and pandemic Mm -hmm. interest. Because Mm -hmm. if we don't have little girls playing, I don't have anybody to recruit. You know, we think about how um, that impacts access to uh, education because I'm at a D3 school again. I don't give scholarships, but, you know, my D2, D1 um, counterparts, you know, at at a D3 school, I have to get kids who can um, get into the college and and get their own academic aid, you know, to be able to afford it. And so I'm straight off the honor roll and it doesn't any time. I can go to any high school in America and look on that honor roll and mm-hmm. a good majority of those girls that are on the honor roll play some sport. Sport, you know? yeah. And yeah. so we, we can't Absolutely. lose that. I don't want these these pandemic babies who, you know, were online their freshman year high school, get yes. their year, didn't play a sport, and now aren't getting recruited. 
That's right. You know? That's right. And um, are losing out on scholarship opportunities from my D1 and D2 counterparts or academic aid that can help them play at D3. It's a lot at stake, a lot more than what people realize. And so yeah. you know, for me, it's about we got to keep little girls interested in mm-hmm. sports. And, you know, we look at the Fortune 500 companies, we look at, you know, CEOs, mm-hmm. CFO positions. A majority of women who sit in those C-suite roles play sports. Mm-hmm. There's That's implications. Right. There's implications larger than just you know mm-hmm. um, playing games. This, yeah, this, this changes the trajectory of yeah. lives and families because you know when women are okay, everybody's okay. Everybody's exactly, exactly. And and Dr. Henderson, you reminded me of of a story because. We both have boys. Um, I have a, a 11-year-old and an eight-year-old, and my my eight-year-old is playing his second season of flag football. Um, we we are concerned with you know the brain growth and you know brain injury and so forth. So we're trying to keep him active, even though he loves football. That's his passion, but we protecting the brain right now. Okay, at least until high school, you know. Um, and so what's been interesting though is that. Last season, Kendrick had a girl play on his football team. And this spring, he now has two girls playing on his football team and has played against girls in flag football. And what I found so interesting is that now this is not patting myself on the back. I'm just patting the back of the parents of those little girls uh, that were on the teams because one of the first things Kendrick came uh, came home to say after (laughs) a game a couple of weeks ago um, he caught up to a, a young lady uh, that ran in a touchdown. And I, I could see him because he, he's fast, but he backed off once he got near her, right? She was carrying the ball. He backed mm-hmm. off a little bit. And I said, Kendrick, why'd you back off? You know, y'all, y'all both out there playing. You're supposed to pull that flag. And he said, no, mommy, I didn't back off. I just realized girls are really fast. And I said, good, Ross, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make sure he knows that's what I'm talking about. Respect, respect girls and women. And, um, and so then the very next week he played against another team with another little girl, once again, outrunning once again. And Kendrick said, mommy, I see why girls don't play football. And I said, why is that sweetheart? And he said, because they would beat everybody if they did. (laughs) And it just made common sense to him that women and girls are athletic and should be athletic. And for me, I just so appreciated his little young, naive perspective that it brought some real wisdom to what I wish we as adults would remember is that we're qualified to be out on those fields. And when we are on those fields, it opens up so many doors for our families, our loved ones our future children that haven't even been born yet. The fact that you, you know, your, your children can walk on any campus and be like, no, my mama is Dr. Henderson. That's Make right. sure you put emphasis <laughs> on the doctor. Um, and, and they know exactly who they're talking about. And I just appreciate how many doors are kicked down due to girls and women in sport. It's just really profound what you're bringing up. And Mr. Kendrick could probably be on the podcast with us. Yeah. Um, but I appreciate how, you know, not only are we adding to women and girls on the field, but we also are teaching boys like ours at a young age to respect what they bring to the world of sport, right? I mean, I think that's important so that we don't get to, you know, college and even professional sport where we're still having this disrespect. 
right? It, it has to stop somewhere. It has to stop somewhere. So, you know, as we wrap up, Dr. Henderson, I just want to thank you for being on the podcast with me because Title IX is very real. Um, I saw a meme just last week, I believe, um, and it said, my biggest fear is that 50 years ago, women had more rights than we have today. And it freaked me out completely when I read that meme. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, we've already looked at other topics like Roe v. Wade and other topics like that. My prayer is that we don't slide backwards in any way in regards to Title IX and what it offers um, for the community, for our kids, our loved ones, our families, future families. Um, and as for you, Dr. Henderson, do you have any last words for us as far as all of us who really embrace Title IX and want to make sure that we don't have these conversations anymore about whether women, girls are qualified to be in these spaces? Any yeah. last words for us? Yeah, and I think it's very important um, what you just talked about, about our sons. And that's where it starts, you know. Um, it's our kids that are going to change the world. You know, when we're being wheeled yes. around in the old folks' home, they're going to be, you know, running society, right? We're going to be watching football on TV. <laughs> that's right, that's right, you know. And they, they're uh, all going to be running society, right? That's so, right, that's right. So we have to teach them young, that mm -hmm. you know, that this is just normal. Now, you know... Um, to, to you, I'm Dr. Henderson, and you know, I think I'm this and that. To my kids, I ain't nobody. I'm like, nobody, not nobody. Where's, right. Where's my dinner? Where's my dinner? You know, uh, exactly. but I love the fact that they are growing up thinking that this is normal, you know? Yes, yes. Loving the WNBA, you yes. know? Because, you know, we go to Atlanta Dream Games, you know, they yes. grow up, you know, knowing that they get to be the water boys for girls basketball and shag softballs for the softball yes. team, shag balls for the women's soccer team. Like yes. that's normal to them that, you yeah. know, yeah. women play sports and they play sports and, you know, and so that's where it, that's where it starts. I think all of us mm -hmm. have to be sure that we are making and leaving our mark, but also mm -hmm. making sure that um, these children who follow behind us have a great example to follow, and that um, way we, the way that we normalize this is by making sure that they have the exposure and don't mm. grow up with some of these limitations that we grew up with. Um, yes. we that yes. we don't pass that down. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, my my prayer is that I I raise my sons in a household where they never complete the sentence girls don't do fill in the blank. That's my goal. Never utter yes. those words. Yes. Right. Even All at right, my well, baby shower, you know, my husband played yeah. uh, division one football mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I'm an all American national champion in track. I'm not too shabby. I was having a boy and everybody was getting all star like daddy. I'm like magic marker cross that out because Technically speaking, I'm the only one in the house with a national championship. Facts. Like, Facts. Pull out the <laughs> credentials, girl. Like, yeah, whatever. But exactly. Yeah, All-star all like mommy. <laughs> the credentials. That's what I'm talking about. Exactly. So, but that's that's exactly what we're talking about, though, is normalizing that. That, oh, mommy has her letters, too. And mommy got a scholarship for this. And, you know, even normalizing, of course, we, we could go into intersectionality all day, you know, normalizing that, you know, sport is such a vehicle and it's not just a vehicle to professional sports. It's a vehicle to that and a litany of other things. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So look, this has been a pleasure. I could go on all day talking about these topics because little do y'all know, listeners, I got like 10 more questions I want to ask Dr. Henderson that I don't have time to get to. Um, so maybe another time. But thank you so much for taking time out of your busy AD schedule, your busy wife schedule, mom schedule, being all the things Black Girl Magic schedule um, to be on the podcast with us because, you know, Title IX for us, you know, uh, for us, it is paramount. It is paramount. And it's gotten many of us to where we wanted to go and, and beyond our wildest dreams. So thank you for being on the pod with me and keep doing what you're doing. You know, when I look back, I want to be like, oh, yes, uh, Dr. Henderson was her AD. I know her. Let me get her signature on that book that I know she's going to write. Um, but I thank you for spending time with me and the listeners as we get to know your perspective because it's unique and powerful. So thank you. Thank you for the invitation. And I appreciate this platform to even have this discussion today. Active women need more protein. And if you're training hard, you need a lot more, like upwards of 100 grams a day or even more. That can be a challenge to get through meals alone some days. So a good protein powder like Neurofi Plus from Prevenex can help. Neurofi Plus is a vegan-friendly protein powder that is low in sugar, high in essential branched chain amino acids, and contains probiotics and digestive enzymes, so it's easy to digest and doesn't cause the gassy feeling you can get with other protein powders. Neurofi Plus is laboratory tested and contains no soy, gluten, dairy, preservatives, or artificial sweeteners. Listeners of this series can get 15% off their first time purchase by using the code TITLE9, that's all caps and the number nine, at checkout. Just go to Prevenex.com P-R-E-B-I-N-E-X dot com and use the code TITLE9 at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. If you don't like it, the company offers a 100% money back guarantee on all of their products within 30 days, no questions asked. Again, use the code TITLE9 at checkout for 15% off your first time purchase at Prevenex.com. Raise your hand if you believe we need more women and more overall diversity at our triathlons. Now keep that hand up if you want to be part of the solution. The team at Lifetime, the nation's premier healthy way of life brand, is right there with you. Their main focus? The iconic Verizon New York City Triathlon, coming up on July 24th. For this year's New York City Tri, Lifetime replaced their registration lottery added a duathlon distance, and implemented a rookie refund program, all to get more racers, like you, of every age, skill level, and background to take on the concrete jungle. They have women, but not enough. They have non-binary participants, but they need more. They have athletes from 39 states and 17 countries, but they want to cover every corner of the globe. Let's write a better future for endurance sports together. Visit nyctry.com today to reserve your spot to race the greatest city in the world. That's nyctri.com. Whether you run, ride, hike, or swim, you understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build endurance, boost energy, and optimize your health for the long haul. 
Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. And when you connect Inside Tracker to your Fitbit or Garmin, you'll also unlock real-time recovery pro tips after you complete your workout. It's like having your own personal trainer and nutritionist in your pocket. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty. That's insidetracker.com forward slash feisty. Celine, what a fantastic interview. What, what stood out for you in particular? We could do a whole other show. <laughs> I don't know what stood out for me. Because I, I mean, I, I, I feel like I learned, I learned an awful lot through that. But, you know, a couple of the things that really stood out were that, that there is a that there is still so much work to do, especially for black women in this space, you know, and that became very clear. And, you know, she talks about the numbers and 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 also how, you know, we we need men as allies you know, and, and to, to use those allies, especially in those big colleges. Yeah. And specifically why I was actually struck by that as well, that actually like, it's just a numbers thing. Like you, yeah. you need a male mentor totally. because, because there's so few women. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that was very interesting. And I wasn't expecting to be so struck at the end when she was talking about the impact of the pandemic, you know, about how her own, her own trajectory had been shaped so early on by doing like a field day, you know, as, as an elementary school girl where you where you learn that you can run and jump and do all these things and you get put on this path of athletics that then opens all these other doors and has this knock on effect on your family mm -hmm. and how concerned she is, you know, for the girls of the pandemic who may not have gotten those field days yeah. or girls who are already in the pipeline on the other end of the spectrum in high school, missing out on that scholarship or that those key points in time. And, you know, of all the things that we know that we've lost and you go through your head, like that had not crossed my mind. And it had, I, I, it really had an impact on me. I was like, oh, those, you know, yes, that's a problem. Yeah. And I really love how she tied the stats about um, the number of women who had have athletic careers that are actually in C-suite positions, like that. It's not yeah. just about being because we think sometimes of sport like it's about being active and healthy throughout your life which of course it is like right. there's the health benefit or like longevity or whatever else have feeling better during your life but also it can real you know sport can lead to real opportunities that have to do with like your potential in life or your potential to get a job your potential to make a living you know etc cetera, etc cetera, um, or be a leader uh so i yeah, I, I was struck by that as well. And I think it's, um, it's one of those questions that I think we might come out of this series with, like, what do we, what do we do now? Or what else can we do? Mm. Um, and that's one of them, like, what can we do for those girls who the, the sort of the pandemic generation, who may yeah. be missing out on some of the confidence lessons that, that come from sport? So important. 100% agree. Yeah, it was a, it was, it was, really rich in information and also just a joy to listen to mm -hmm. as they riffed off each other because they had such simpatico you know it was really wonderful to listen to them yeah 
Yeah, I agree. And again, I could say, I could say many other things, but I think we'll just leave it there because (laughs) um, such a great interview. And so coming up next week, uh, we have we have Excellent. Julie Moss, right? <laughs> Crawl of Fame. We do. Iron Man Julie Moss. Yes. Uh, th- so someone who's well known in our um, Iron Man circles um, is interviewed by Alyssa Gadeski, who's the co-host of the Iron Women podcast. And Julie, essentially, as a college student, but before Iron Man was known at all, right? It was just on the, it was like on the wild world of sports. I think that's what the show is called. <laughs> I as loved like, that show. Yeah. One of those like like one of those like freak show type sports that like the only the crazy people did. And so like Julie Moss was like, I think she was 22 years old, um, decided she was going to go and do, do the Ironman. And she ended As up like an academic project. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, just the, the ingenuity there is just amazing. And then like, <laughs> and then she ends up crawling to the finish line cameras on her and essentially changed the history of Iron Man, like it's so unusual for a female athlete to be the one who like launches a sport into the public eye. And that's what Julie and her story did for Iron Man. So um, I'm excited to hear Alyssa talk to her next week. Yeah, me too. We'll be back then. Nine Voices for Title IX, powered by Inside Tracker, is a feisty media production. This episode was produced and edited by the amazing Amelia Perry.